You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry. I suppose, Terry, give me a, a quick background on your own story and your own accident for people that haven't heard it. Yeah, I suppose so long ago now, Ian. Um, 1989, Christ, 30, what, two years ago. I was acting the apron in a swimming pool over in New York in, a, in Long Island with friends of mine. And I dove into a pool and I, I, I either dove from too high or the pool was too shallow, whatever you want to say. Some people said, geez, weren't you a bit stupid diving into an empty pool? I said, I was mad. I wasn't stupid. The pool was full, but it looked to have depth. It didn't have any depth. So I found out fairly quickly how uh, how shallow it was. So I hit my head and I broke my neck. I broke the fifth and sixth vertebrae. So that was August 89. So I was rushed to a place called Nassau County Medical Center in uh, Long Island. And I was there until uh, October 89. And then they moved me from there, upstate New York, to a place called White Plains, the Burke Rehab Institute in White Plains. And I was there until Good Friday, April 13th, 1990. These dates will be stamped in your head and you'll note yourself in time. So I was there for about, about six months. So I flew home on Good Friday, April 13th, and I arrived into Shannon, actually, the Shannon stopover was there at the time, but they wouldn't let me off the plane. They were afraid if I got off, I wouldn't get back on because typically carry by all I want to do was go home. I said, if you get me out in Shannon and that. So I had special permission, my brother Donald, God rest him. He was with me on the plane and the captain because they refused and then we flew on to Dublin. So my family were in Dublin waiting for me. Got off the plane in Dublin, loads of tears, loads of patting on the back and you're marvellous and fair juice. Do we keep it going? The usual old Perlava says you into the car and off to the Dunlira, the, the, the National Rehabilitation Centre, you know, well, I used to call it the quadriplegic factory. You go in the front door, you say it, you go in the front door and out the back door, a, a perfectly formed quadriplegic person. But that was it, that was it, as I said, 32 years ago. So you're what, you're 20 now, Ian? I was 20 when it happened. A little bit older than, than yourself when it happened to me. So, um, yeah, big change, obviously, a, a, a big a big turn in, in, in one's life. But again, like yourself, you just got to grin and bear it, get out with it. And it's up to yourself how you want to be about it. And, you know, some people cope better than others. And, you know, and luckily there are support there for people. And, you know, you can talk to people. And I was very lucky. I had great family and fantastic friends around me. And, you know, I was, I, I, I was, um, I suppose I was protected for a while. You, you see it yourself for a while. You're at the start, uh, you're like a protected species. You go up town and a couple of fellas come over and say hello to you. And your friends are kind of going, oh, you, you, you're all right. I'll leave me alone. You know, you get used to it and they get used to it. So after a while, the novelty wears off, let me tell you, and you're just an ordinary Joe So then, and they'll call you up. Any name you want. I can't say, no, we're on radio. But any name you want, they'll call you behind your back to in your face. Don't worry about that. Oh, the patting on the head, boy, yeah. I used to have a perm, actually, after my accident. I used to curl my hair. And I used to always say, listen, cost me money to put these curls in my head. And you're flattening them. You get your hand off my head. They pat you on the top of your head. You know, well, you're a great boy. You're a great boy. How do you do it? How do you do it? But sure, you get used to it. You'll see it yourself. And as I said, no, it's time. You know, time heals all. And time was, you know, I suppose for, for, for me, as I said, it was, it was made all the more easy by the family and friends I had. So at that time, I was very, very lucky, you know. Yeah, I suppose it's all about the the people around you. Even even to today, like the last four years, people always ask me, "Did I lose friends after my accident?" And I I always say, "I didn't lose any friends. I just found out who the real ones were." And I'm sure you're the same. Yeah, well, certainly I think you're right. And some people, I don't think some people really know, you know, how to uh, communicate, and they get a little bit awkward. But you know, your friends are your friends, and they'll be with you through thick and thin, and 
you know, some people, you know, family members, even sometimes are a little bit awkward towards, you know, the change to your life and the different routines that you suddenly have now and you have to be helped into bed and helped out of bed and, you know, the usual stuff that goes with with, with being a, a C5-6 quadriplegic. So quadriplegic, as, as, as we both know, Ian, and I suppose for your listeners, quadriplegic is someone who's lost the use of four limbs. So, um, you know, the first time I heard a quadriplegic, two doctors spoke over me in the hospital. Uh, they thought I was asleep and one said to the other, this is the Irish boy, O'Brien. He's a C5-6 quadriplegic. So they left and when when they left, there was a nurse around, so I couldn't speak at the time I was intubated. So I used squawk. It was called squawk like that. So there, was a, there was an Irish nurse there, so I... So she came over, she read my lips. So I, I I tried to pronounce quadriplegic as best I could. So she said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's someone who's lost the use of four limbs. I thought, all right, great. So it was the first time I heard, that was the first time I heard quadriplegic. So tetraplegic, quadriplegic, paraplegic, all injuries of the spine. And, you know, there's a lot of it there, a lot of it around today. And people, you know, I, I suppose people take for granted your health and take for granted how, you know, how lucky people are and, and, and then the flick of a switch like for you Ian it, it just just it all goes on its head so just just at that stage that's 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 where I learned I was a C5-6 quadriplegic person and did you spend um, did you between um, New York and Ireland did you spend long in hospital altogether between the two places I'd say just short of a year Ian because I did, I, the accident was August 22nd 89 and I, I started getting the the, the, the home releases from Dunleary and about maybe late June, July, 1990. Now I went back to America in 91 again for advanced physio and, and, and further work. But um, I suppose I was maybe a, a over a year doing hospital and rehab. Yeah, so it was an interesting year, like relearning. And look, again, I, I, I keep saying you know yourself because you do when you were there. It's a dark time. It's a dark place. And you, sometimes it was hard to see light at the end of the tunnel. But it was it was it was what was what was around me. It was where I was. It was who I was. I think helped a lot too. I was kind of a. I know you'll find this hard to believe, but I was a bit of a big mouth, a bit of a talker. I know you're shocked because you think I'm a very quiet young fellow, Ian. But but no, yeah. But no, look, it, it just took it just took a small bit of time to get used to it. And as I said, friends and family made it that bit easier, you know. Yeah, um, I suppose I was the same in hospital, like you said at the time. It was a dark time, but the nurses and doctors and stuff tried to make as much light work and you know have a bit of crack between it all a good, a good story i always i always tell when i was in the matter i used to like yourself when i was on the ventilator i used to have to take a sleeping tablet every night because i couldn't sleep and um there was one night i i conked out anyway myself it was my first night since my accident falling asleep without the tablet and i was sound asleep next thing i heard a kind of a rattle Ian, Ian wake up you forgot to take your sleeping tablet. I goes caught, uh, seriously like I was asleep for the first time. It's like a carry joke. Eh? I wake up the carry man to give me sleeping tablet. Um, I suppose, like you said, you kind of accepted um reality fairly straight away because I always say the if you ever tried to fight against reality, you know you're going to lose every time. Did it take you long to to accept it and say, look, this is going to be my life going forward? Look, I suppose, Ian, you always hold the hope that something, some miracle cure or something will come around the corner or we all go to Lourdes and we get the cure or whatever else. You always keep your fingers crossed, something will show. But no, I think very early days, uh, I suppose the way I looked at it, I, I dove. I was the fellow who took the dive. It was my mistake, so it was up to me to get on with it and it was up to me to to, to push forward. So 
yeah, I think early days I was fairly accepting. Obviously, I had the and the ad blue day, and and you obviously take that out. Those closest to my poor mother or my sister Julie, they often got lambasted and later. Now my wife Teresa, she if you if you if you've acquired a where you're just not a hundred percent, I suppose is the ones you love most will um will feel the wrath. But no, I've been I've been fairly fairly lucky and fairly um, accepting of of the of the um the the overall um accent etc. and the repercussions fairly early, which was which which helped in the long run, yeah. Um, throughout the whole recovery and stuff, did you find out? Did you find out anything about yourself that you didn't know you had before the the accident? Any like self discovery that you did you know you were a stronger? I suppose you find out really what you're about and what you're made of. And I suppose I kind of surprised myself the strength I had because you know you go through different things. But but like that said, you I suppose part of it is you have no choice but to go through it because it's all part of the healing. But you know, again, because of the level of disability, they had to they had to teach me how to speak and breathe together because I was losing breath. So I had speech therapy, and I found that particularly funny and interesting. And I had uh, occupational therapy and physiotherapy and group therapy. Jesus Christ, I had more therapies. But again, it was only all part of the healing process and, and getting better. But I think for myself, I I found out. You know, I had I had a good way about me. I think, and I had I, I had. Um, you know, you want to sound like you have a big head, but I suppose I found that I had a good, a good inner strength and so on. And again, I found out my friends and you find out who's good with you and you can find out what they're about too. But yeah, you do. You learn about yourself more. And I think you have, you have time and, you know, you can use, it slows you down and it, and it, it makes you a little bit wiser and wider. If you know what I mean, you, you can, you can, you can debate things, you know, in your head and you'd be surprised how suddenly you become a small bit more in tune to things that when you were young, like you were 18 or whenever I was 20. So we were kind of scatty at that age and life, you know, life was passing us by flying at that stage. So suddenly you're sitting down, you have time to think about what's going on in your life and what's not going on and how you can address this. So yeah, big changes. But again, it just, it just takes time. As I said, you were, you know, earlier, every day is a school day. So you're like, I'm 32 years in a wheelchair. So I'm longer disabled than I was able. So, and I, but I still say, I'm learning because you learn something about your system, about something part of you that, you know, that that that's still changing. So it, it's just it's just time and and patience. Like you said, you found out your inner strength. I was the same, and I two of us were in the same place. And I think that I only found out I didn't know how strong I was, you know, until until my only option was to be strong. You know, you're. It's like at the start, it's like everything's against you, but slowly you just kind of accept it. Were you, were you, I read somewhere, did, were you into GA? Were you with Cairns or Rallys for a while doing something? Oh, a big, big Nari supporter. Yeah, I was a Nari. I played football for the Nari's in, in uh, Stranroad and Trilly. I love the Nari's. I'm a, I'm a true blue. I was born in Stranroad and played for Stranroad and I was hurt recently. Now we beat the Croaks, which made it sweet because we beat the, the Clarny crew, but that wasn't the semi-finals. But my black and amber bodies here in Chile, they were the, the, the Austin Stacks beat us in the final. But uh, yeah, I was always involved in the Stranroad Club. I'm a member for years. I was a member of the board of the committee there for a few years as well. But uh, no, I'd be, I'd, I'd have a, I'd have a, a big a big fondness uh, to Cairns O'Reilly's. I'm also a Man United supporter for my penance. But should we get back, we'll be back. And I'm also um, very fond of the basketball. I'm the chairman of the, the Warriors Basketball Club. I heard you speak with... Uh, I heard you speak with Donnie there, and uh, he's a good character star, you know. But uh, so you know, I've, I've, I've loads, I've loads keep me going, and loads of interest. But yeah, the Stranovers was the football club, alright, yeah. I suppose we move on to to your time. How how did you get into say politics and into the as you are the, the mayor now and stuff? 
were you always interested in that kind of stuff growing up or was it something that came late in life no you know i wasn't to be honest i suppose my my real job or my mortgage paying job is the irish future association i worked for them now for 23 years so i'm what they call a service coordinator for kerry so i'd be around kerry with centers in Stowe and killarney and the office in Tralee and staff and friends that i've made with my job so that's that's where where, where i work but um I think it was 1999, early 99, Dick Spring, former Tornish day. He left the message on my, my answer machine one day. He said he wants to talk to me. He wants to make me an offer that I uh, would change my life. So, of course, like yourself, you'd be fierce interested in what you're talking about. So I rang him back. He just said, look, local politics, Terry. He said, look, I know you're involved with Strand Road. I know you have a few bits going on. He said, would you be interested in, you know, running in the, the, the tree, uh, uh, tree electoral, electoral area at that time for 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 the Labour Party. So, you know, I was a big fan of Dick Springs. He was a neighbour of mine. So I, I had a great time for himself and his sister Maeve at the time. So I, um, I'll never forget when, when Dick was tarnished at the time. Shortly, uh, he was tarnished actually shortly after I came home from my accident. And I was in, they built a little apartment for me, um, Ian, behind my parents' house. So it was like my little space away from everyone else. So the door opened one day and he walked in and he closed the door behind him and locked and sat down on the couch and said, come on, what can we do for each other? Like you said about, you know, you said about Danny, he called it to you. He just came in. There was no newspapers taking pictures and posing like, oh, I'm great. I'm the politician to help you. He just came in himself. And I really respected him for that. And I really appreciate him for that. And we had a chat at that stage. But so I just said, you know, for the crack, I'll throw a hat in the ring in 99 because politics wasn't really my thing. It's, you know, I'm going to be arguing. It's politics still really, it's, it's okay. But, I, you know, I, I won't lose any sleep over it. I, I went, um, I got elected in 99 in the uh, locals elections in the Tralee area. And then I got elected in 2004. At that stage, there were two different elections in the Tralee election in Kerry County Council. So I've been a county councillor since 2004. And in 07, I went for the general election. But no, I didn't get the seats. I got I got the fourth. Uh, I, got, I came fourth in the count, which wasn't bad for a first time. But it didn't get the seat. But it just made my mind up at that stage. You know, look, the people didn't want me. So I'm a, I'll, I'll stay a county councillor. And I work for a truly municipal area and for Kerry County Council. I was quite happy with that. And I've been lucky since. I've, I've had good results uh, in, in the uh, all the local elections since. So I'm 20, 23 years um, twenty three years a councillor. I was mayor of Tralee five times, the mayor of Kerry once in 2013. I was mayor of Kerry. So again, an honour and a privilege and all that goes with that. But yeah, it, you know, it's interesting. See, when you go in there, you think you can change the world. But you know, as, as a local politician, you know, you don't legislate like the, like the TDs. And that's where the difference comes. But it was interesting. Yeah, it's, it's still interesting. There's lots you 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 can there's there's that was it. There's lots. There are some things you can make a difference in, but there's other things that that we need legislators for. That's why we have five TDs. They should be legislating all the time. I say should be, but that's an argument for another day, and that's an argument for another day. What's your um? What'd be your favorite thing about being mayor? Is it the do you take pride in helping people and making changes around? Look, I'm a, I, I like I like to think I'm a people person, and I get on well. You know, I've a, I've a, have a good rapport with most people and I have, you know, a lot of people come to me. I, like, I, I suppose part of me was kind of hoping that I would become the counsellor for disabled only, you know, that, oh, he's great for the disabled because he's disabled himself. So I never really put a lot of emphasis on, you know, oh, that's me. I want to make sure everyone gets the wheelchair parking bays are right and I want to make sure they're all buildings accessible. But, you know, stuff like that should come to you anyway because all counsellors, regardless of their disability or no, our, our, our ability should be, you know, should be across the board. So stuff like that that never really 
bogged me bogged me down. Some people, all right, we, you, you'd come to you and say, oh, well, you should be fighting. I'd fight for everyone, able or disabled doesn't bother me. If people want me to represent them, I do that. But no, it's it's um, it's interesting. Yeah, some of it can be frustrating, the council work. You know, some of it can be frustrating because, as I said at the start, you think you can change the world. But when you get in there, you see what you can and you can't do. And you learn your way and you get to, to work with the executive and work with council staff and, you know, your fellow councillors. And again, like in the, in the Kerry County Council, you know, it's an interesting council. Uh, I, then I'm, I'm the truly municipal area. So the seven of us, we actually have a very, very good council. There's all, all parties and none, and there's a good mix. And we all, you know, we all do what's best. I know some, it's funny, and some people, I think some people think you're, you're earning a fortune and they think that, you know, that, um, you know, that they all have the answers. But, you know, it's, it's when you get in there and you get your sleeves up and you see what you can and can't do and, and, and we support each other and we try and do what's best for Trilly, the Trilly Municipal Area and for Kerry because obviously we are Kerry County Councillors and there's 33 of us there. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting job but sometimes it can be fairly frustrating. Did, um, did COVID-19 have a, did it have a big impact on, say, your day-to-day work as a mayor? Um, I was I was mayor. Fight, you see, you're only mayor. Like I was, I was mayor for the. I think I was mayor for the start of the pandemic. But um, no, I, I suppose. Look, you 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 pay attention to what's going on, and obviously, you know the likes of ourselves. We need to be a little bit careful because we'd be seen as more vulnerable with breathing difficulties than if you had, if you know, if you got a dose of the COVID, it might be, it might be that uh, the final swan song. So I suppose I was a little bit careful. But then, uh, I suppose my wife used to tell me I was a little bit reckless because I probably went out maybe at the start more than I should have to meetings and so on but I, I think you know the, the, look this pandemic is, is is exhausting us all but it's there it goes on we need to abide by you know what we're instructed that we're not all the experts you know we have to listen to the experts and you know look it, it too shall pass was the saying so we're hoping that you know maybe next year 2022 will be you know the year that that COVID kind of burns itself out or is a cure or, you know, or people get back to some kind of normality. But no, it never really affected me that much. And then the, the council meetings became like, you know, like we're doing here, Zoom meetings, you know, which are clever and you were able to protect you. So I didn't really attend many council meetings, especially at the full county council meeting because a lot of bodies there. But um, no, it, it made it that bit easier. But uh, yeah, certainly was an eye-opener, Ian. Certainly was an eye-opener. Did you work on, did you work from home or did you go into an office? Well, I work for the Irish Regional Association full-time, so I have an office. Uh, and then, obviously, I'd have different little bits and pieces that I carry out for the council within that. And I have a good understanding of the association, actually. The Irish Regional Association were the ones originally, because I was working full-time, said to me, of course, oh, it would be, be good for people to see someone with a disability going forward, getting involved in politics. might be an encouragement to other people to, you know, come out. Because, like, I suppose you're looking off, Ian, and, and even even at 32 years, I'm looking off that we're... Of a, we're we're, we're of a time when people with disabilities weren't hidden, but but shortly before before I became disabled, Ian, um, people with disabilities were often hidden away. They were sent to Cork and Dublin, and there was no real social life for them. They were always, you know, I suppose at, at a time, maybe put them in the corner of the room with remote control on their lap, they'll be happy enough, leave them there. And, you know, it, it was like, the, I think they used to call it the medical model of, of disability where, you know, it it wasn't it wasn't a done thing. You know that Terry and Ian would be in 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 we we'll call it and I say with my fingers near normal school or mainstream education. You know we were sent off to Cork or to Dublin, as I said, and had your education. Or you might come home once a month to your family. So then there was kind of a, an awkwardness there, and you know, but but 
thankfully, you know, thankfully over time that's changed and people with disabilities now are mainstream classes, schools are, the majority of schools are accessible, you know, hotels, restaurants, a lot of now are accessible, are accessible. You know, there was a time when we fought to get this place accessible and fought to get the council to get this and section M and the planning laws. And, like it's a constant struggle. There's no one by any means saying that it's right and it's great today, but it's a lot better than it was 32 years ago when I Max and that you see in time. It, it gets better, you know, in, in fairness, it, it, it does get better. I think people only, people, you know, when they see somebody in a wheelchair, they say, oh, their, their legs don't work, but like there's so much more in the background. And I think it's only when you're you're in a wheelchair and you, you're in the situation that you realise all the, the hazards like like you you might have been doing before your accident like people you know parking or leaving bins out in the footpath and stuff it's only it's only when you're in the the situation you realize it that's it that's exactly people realize it when they're in it but then it's too late but look i suppose that's what the likes of yourself and, and more people hopefully we're doing is educating people that you know the disabled people you know we're all the one and we all deserve to break and a small bit of respect and courtesy and we don't we we, we don't really want anything you know extraordinary just to be treated like everyone else is, is important and you know access and you know fair play i suppose that's that's what we're all looking for at the end of the day have you seen a massive change from since you when you had your accident to now even in like in the the area of trillian Kerry and even even like going up to the rehab for checkups and stuff is there a massive difference yeah, you know, I don't go, I haven't been to the rehab in years. Um, you know, I'd say, Jesus, 20, 25 years since I've been to rehab. Um, yeah, there has been changes. There's been changes for the better. You know, sometimes you, you feel they're changing, you know, very slowly, but there has, there has been changes. You know, again, as I said, access is taken a lot more serious now. Planning laws include access laws and, you know, the, 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 I, I suppose simple things like, you know, parking and disabled parking bays and how they're policed more often now and, you and I will probably say they're not policed enough, but they're policed more often because there was a time that any Tom, Dick or Harry just abandoned their car or Jeep inside and a disabled bay wouldn't care. But it's getting, they're getting, I think, the, the 140, 150 euro fines are starting to make people more aware. But again, there's more that could be done with disabled parking. There's more that could be done with um, accessible venues. And, you know, I mean, for example, one of the biggest disappointments we was when they, they rebuilt Crow Park and, it was supposed to be the uh, be all and end all of 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 access for us. You know, I went up to, to my first match to Crow Park to say Kerry, and the wheelchair spot was there, and then the, the crowd in front of us. You know, yourself when 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 Kerry are attacking, when Gooch Cooper's about to bust the net, everyone kind of stands up, and when they stood up, they were right in front of the, the wheelchair section that had taken years of when we were told this and that, and then their suggestion to that, their solution to that was to put big screens overhead. Sure, if I wanted to watch a big screen, I'd stay at home. So, you know, little, little errors like that, simple things like that, that should be, you know, should be marked. You know, you go to the O3 arena now and it's it's clever and some things either frustrating. You know, if you go to an outdoor concert, obviously for safety, you're either put at the back of the park on a, on a, a heightened stand or you're very far away from what goes on, you know, and some, some parts of that can be frustrating. But again, over time, you know, I, I suppose at the start, I just get a lot more bogged down, a lot more frustrated. But, you know, I, I suppose I see yeah, I see the changes and I know people are trying. Yeah, you know, there are people you'd have to, yeah, I can't say it now because we're on live on radio, Ian, but there are people you'd like to give a, a, a rollicking to. But no, look, the majority of people are good. The majority of people are logical and reasonable and they, they, they see and they understand what's going on, you know. Have you been to the to Parky Queefs since they've done it up? 
No, actually, no, I didn't get to the Wheatley's Action Park in Cueve, no. Uh, I, heard it's, I heard it's very good. I haven't been there. Were you there? You are? Yeah, unreal. I found it excellent, like you're bang in the middle. Perfect height. Do you see, do you've, like you said, you've been over to, to Old Trafford since your accident in a wheelchair. Do you see massive difference from stadiums over there to Ireland, or is it pretty much the same? I suppose that when you're going to Old Trafford, it's easy for them. They're Manchester United, they're you know, a club worth billions, and their their stadium is what doing seventy five, eighty thousand uh, every second week. So they're well used to people management, and they're well used to access. And yeah, Old Trafford is is fantastic. And I went to a couple of baseball games in the states; they, they were very, very good. Some uh, concert arenas in the states, excellent. You know, I think the uh, the states are obviously America are, are ahead of us because it's a new. I suppose maybe it's a newer country. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is, is newly built infrastructure, I suppose. Killarney, Trilly and towns around Ireland are very old, old infrastructure. And it takes a while to, you know, for these things to happen. It's like Muckworth's house in Killarney. It's a fabulous house. And, you know, you don't want the place destroyed with lifts and, you know, ramps. You want to protect its authenticity and you want to protect how, you know, this is how our, our, our I suppose, where we are, where we came from in history. But on the other hand, it's nice that people do get a chance to see it. So I was pleasantly surprised a few years ago I went to Mockers house and I, I seen I got to go around it again the wheelchair was it was clever it was, it was well done and protected you know protected the most of the building as in would, it, it wasn't that obvious but things like that make a difference and you know the, the old Trafford this world they're, they're all fantastic but you know the majority of us here we want to go down to down to the pub or down to the restaurant and we don't you know all you want is fair access and to be given you know just just to be I, I suppose enjoy it like everyone else that's all we all, all we really want you know um, I ask whenever I'm interviewing somebody in a in the same situation as myself, I ask them, "What's your biggest challenge since your accident?" Like, for example, mine, mine would be I suffer terribly from nerve pain. What would you do? You, do you suffer from nerve pain yourself? Yeah, I do. And I do. When it comes to get root pain in my my arm, all right, yeah, but no, not not too much that I'd be. No, I wouldn't be. I suppose I, I don't know challenges. I don't know. I, I've I've. 14-year-old twins, their challenges. Um, you know, I, I don't really... I, I, I don't know. I don't know what challenge I have, I suppose. I, I, I can't think of anything that that really challenges me offhand. I'm, I'm sure my wife will give me a puck in the back of the head now later and said, you can't see any challenges. I give you... But no, I, I think I just... I, I, at this stage, 32 years, and I get on with it. I'm used to the pain. I'm used to the bits and pieces that go on, you know. But again, no. No, I don't have any... I don't have anything outstanding anyway, no. Um, I suppose another thing I wanted to ask you about was travelling around, say, buses and planes, trains and everything. How do you find it yourself? Great funny and great fun. Yeah, travelling, I mean, geez, 32 years ago was horrific, but now in fairness, yeah. I remember one time I travelled from Tralee to Mallow in the, um, in the mail car, in the train. There was packages and boxes all around me. I was inside in the mail car and it was one cold trip. But no, look, the, the trains have got better. Buses are a bit of a disaster in the rural areas because they're all what they call high bed buses. You don't really get into them. Now. Some of the lower low bed buses in Dublin and Cork are grand. You wheel the electric chair into them and so on. But you will see if you're traveling by plane, now it can be a bit of a literally pain in the arse because you have to be lifted out of your power chair and put into a small chair and lifted out of that small chair and put into the seat on the plane. And, you know, you're only, you know, I'm, I'm for years hoping that the planes will eventually get the knack that you can drive your power chair onto the plane. And they can lock you down because if a plane crashes, I don't think it'll really make a lot of difference whether your whether your your chair is um, clamped exactly at that stage. But um, no, I, again, and it's important that it gets out there. It's great to travel, you know. 
I drove to France there for the last couple of years myself, my wife and our kids, uh, Mark and Millie and, and friends of ours, we'd go over, we'd go over there two or three years in a row. It was great to travel, to get out and to see the place. And again, it's just it's just little things like access that people take for granted in the airports. The airports is probably, I probably sailed to France to avoid the hassle of the airports, you know. But uh, no, it's it's important that, you know, these people are also made aware of how difficult it can be to travel on a plane. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you to plane anyway because even, yeah. you know, when they put you onto the small chair up the aisle, when they're yeah. putting you onto the bigger chair then, like they pull the arms out your sockets. But um, going forward, yeah. definitely. It's great, for, it's great for your confidence. You're getting pulled, your jumper's up around the middle of your back and your tracks are down around your Down your ankles. Like you're kind of saying, that this is great dignity I have here, yeah. Watch your naked those cheeks. Yeah, going forward, oh, hopefully they'll 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 get there things are improving every day even say technology like i see even there my wheelchair the things beside my head there as you can see that's how i drive and i drive it all up my head it is only and it's only better it's going to get and the, I, I love the, the honesty of the kids because the kids are always fascinated by the wheelchairs and with the kids look at it straight straight off and ask the questions it's the parents are awkward about it and call a little john come away come away, come away. and i always said i, I used go to schools and do disability awareness talks and I always said it the kids are the, the nice ones they're, the innocence is there we take the innocence off our children because they go straight to you and I and they'll say jeez that's an eight job how do you drive that and they go to grab the control my hand my hand control jeez the number of kids had to bait off the hand control they were trying to drive the wheelchair and stuff like that but kids are brilliant you know I've got a I've got a van now that it opens it's all remote control so I press buttons and the doors open the ramp comes out and Jesus, the kids think it's like the Batmobile. It's fantastic. And they're, and they're standing there with their mouths open in the footpath. And mom and dad are trying to drag them by the ear saying, don't be looking. Don't be staring. Jesus Christ, don't be looking. Don't be looking. You know, it's things like that to get used. I always remember traveling on the train to Dublin one day. My friends put me on and that was the old days. Also, they used to lift me out of the chair and they put me into the normal seats on the chair. So we're sitting down and there was a young fellow in the, the, the seat across the way and he copped very quick like that. Either I was extremely lazy or there was something on here because I was doing a whole lot, you know. So the boys were, I had the paper on the table and the boys were kind of flicking the pages from me and they were holding the cup of tea up. So the young I said, Jeez, ma'am, look, he can't even turn the page in the paper. And she was driving the elbow into his hip. Shut up, shut up, shut up. And then they, yeah, and then they give me the cup of tea. Jesus, mom, he can't even hold the cup of tea. Jesus Christ, will you shut up? You're mortifying me here. Instead of just saying, look, he's got a disability and his friends are helping him out. You know? No, they, I'd say by the time we got to Dublin, the young his ribs were black and blue. He was back over the whole way up. Don't be looking at that people, Jesus. I am. I, I, I'm the same. Whenever a little child passes me, they they say, man, look at him. All, all I hear off the mother then is he hurt his leg. But like you said, the children, they're so innocent. My um, my little cousin, Lily Kate, she was up in my, she climbs up in the footplate on my chair and crawls up and sits on my lap. But I was on my phone the last day and I showed her a picture of me before my accident she kind of went silent and she, she looked at me like that. And she kind of goes, so you actually decided to get out of your chair? As if to say, you're some lazy fella. <laughs> well, that's what they do. That's the honesty. It's lovely, you see. And, and, and you'll get that from kids. But again, you know, that's that's all powerful learning. You'll see, you see that by over time. Some, some of the situations you're left in. I remember I was in the bank one day. Bank of Ireland. I was queuing in the bank to go to the counter. And there was a friend with me. So I was turning to my right, talking to my friend. And there was a little kid in the queue on my left. And my hand control from my driving my wheelchairs on my left. So what I used to do, that's just, I used to throw my arm over the back of the chair for balance and hold on. Thank God I had him here because no one's to be the small fellow decided to take the hand of the chair. And he drove me around the bank. And rather than the mother go over and catch him and saying, you can't do that, the mother turned towards the counter, Maria, she didn't see it at all. 
and I was doing fucking wheelies around the Bank of Ireland blowing the Denny Street but sure that was all part of my, my of course my friend Dim was sore from laughing he couldn't stop me because he was laughing so hard at me being scattered around the bank and people running from me Jesus. but again that's that's I suppose that's the, you know that's the good thing about kids they'll, they'll call it and they'll see it you know in all the awareness talks I used to do in schools the best questions were were from kids they'll ask you anything from how fast the wheelchair can go to can you have sex and it's always the, it's always the adults faces go oh, Jesus oh Jesus did he say that you know yeah, but the kids are honest. And they're, they're they're great, and I suppose you know, as part of my awareness, I was always say, if you get the kids, we're laughing. If you get the young people, it's like I suppose like being green and recycling. If you get the kids, it starts from there, you know. So no, and I often you know, I I just think that that's that's the that's the way to go. The disability awareness talks and educating people and letting them see, you know. Yeah, and it needs to be talked about more, same as suicide prevention and all that. It's in, in this country, in for the longest time, we hid all that stuff. Disability, you know, uh, as as you said, there suicide and you know mental health and all that. A lot of that stuff was hidden. So thankfully, now you know they speak about it more openly and and there are supports there. So that that's important too. And I see even on my own Instagram, like I I do a lot of posts and kind of motivation and show my life. But there was a person that came to me the last day and they were asking, you know, they were depressed and stuff. But that I just kind of I was back and forth with the voice note to them. And then at the end, they were like, yeah, you're quadriplegic, you know, you're in a wheelchair and here I am able to run around and play football. And that's kind of dawned on them then, like, you know, like they say, appreciate the things you have before they become the things you had. Some people can handle a lot more than others, so I think you have to work with everyone and you have to be there for everyone, really, if you can. But it's just some people handle situations better than others and that's always going to be the way, you know. We're all a community at the end of the day, aren't we? That's it. No bother. Thanks a million for coming on. Come here, come here, Jimmy. Let me tell you about you. Uh, you work with a colleague of mine, uh, works with you, just sent in the Wheelchair Association. And I must say, well done, you. You keep doing what you're doing. You keep going the way you're going because you're, you're, you're I suppose we, we call you a, a newbie or, or an early boy when it comes to disabilities. But but credit to you. You're doing well. You're um, you're going very well. You're, you're working hard. And that's important. And you're getting yourself out there, which is very important. And it's, it's you know, that's all part of the healing process. So, so well done you, and I'm delighted you got a job in Radio Kerry, and compliments to Radio Kerry for for um, for employing you, and I'm saying that not in a, oh, they're great, but, you know, they, they spotted that there's talent there, and it's it's great that they're nurturing that, and I'm hoping that you're learning as you go on, and, you know, maybe it might be Radio Kerry, maybe it could be RT News or, you know, journalistic, so so you just keep doing what you do, because, must say now, as I said, I kept my ear to the ground about you, I spoke to people about you, and the reports are always positive about Eno Cannon, so well done you, you got to keep that up. And I think it's thanks, William. And I think it's important, like you said, I'm only a, a newbie to, to this whole life. But um, I think it's important to get, for anyone listening that's in the same situation as me, and I'm sure you can echo, it's it's so important to get out from from day one of the accident, you know. Because I talk to people that, that have been in wheelchairs for 20 years, and they said for the first 10 years, they used to stay at home and they, they didn't socialise or get out or anything. But um, you you can see the same, can you? Well, no, I, I suppose I never I never suffered that because I wanted to get out straight away. I was a bit of a bit of a blackguard and wanted to get out with my friends and go for the pints and go meet the ladies and have the crack around the place. So yeah, I suppose maybe that way I was a bit different. But it's all about yourself, as I said. It's all, it's all about your own attitude and staying at home for that many years isn't good for a person because you're better off getting out and mixing. And sometimes it's tough. You're probably like myself, and you probably love the heat. I'm I'm a heat addict, as I'm as I'm talking to you here. 
fan heater blowing heat in my face. So sometimes it's very comfortable to stay at home nice and warm as opposed to go up Main Street, Killary, whistle at the women, you know. But again, that's only all part of the process and part of, of, of getting back. But it's important that you keep going, that you keep getting back. And, uh, and again, we're always there for each other and you know that. I said that to you a while back. We're always there for each other. If you ever want to hop anything off me, no, not hop anything as in throw something, but hop any ideas. I'm always there. You know that. But it's very important for yourself that you keep going and you're doing it and keep doing it. I saw a video of you there coming down Main Street, Killarney. I'd, I'd say you're doing about 120 on that chair one day. I said, oh my God, he's off his head. Yeah, that's it. But it's stuff that I keep you young. No matter, Terry. Thanks so much. You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry.